same reason why like i would recommend trainers read arnold schwarzenegger's encyclopedia of bodybuilding there is a lot of outdated stuff in there there's a lot of things that maybe worked but were never proven or like have been proven wrong and they just worked for him because he was a workhorse and was geared up and it is what it is dude we are six days tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday sunday six days away from tla TLA drop i'm very excited about the second drop yeah and uh the cool thing is that the third one's gonna be in june so we're gonna go boom 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 just start cranking them out do what uh that i don't know only because i don't know we're typically gonna try to drop them on sundays Mm. because sundays um I want to say do better, but I actually have no fucking clue because I've only done one clothing drop ever in my life. Yeah. So <laughs> um, Sundays, honestly, just from observing other successful apparel companies, they do drops on Sundays. And I got to imagine it's because people aren't at work. They're sitting around like the um, it's just probably a good time to do it, you know. Yeah. Um, so we're going to probably stick with Sundays. Um, hopefully the first Sunday of June, if not the second, but it, we're going to try to space them out about a month. Um, but the second drops already like in motion so like yep. i should have as we're recording this pictures and stuff of samples like basically in the next day or two and then i'll be able to approve rush ships a small batch of them over here just to make final like just feel and make sure and then we're good but the good thing is i've already felt so many of the fabrics now it's design cuts logos stuff like that that i'm tweaking so i shouldn't have any issues like it should be pretty quick but um this one goes out and then the next one goes out and then we're going to do another summer drop. That's going to be like, uh, some hats, slides, um, more socks, definitely a dad hat. And then probably some kind of snapback, but like not, um, I mean, it's hard to say now there's so many, I mean, I guess the snapback is really just a hat that has the snapping buckle thing in the back. Right. Yeah. You originally, like when you said, like back in the day, when you said snapback, it was specifically talking about like an old school retro baseball hat, like a, like a Mitchell and S yeah. old, not necessarily baseball though, any sport team. Yeah. But like, if you think about it, the only sport, the only sport that actually wears hats are baseball. Oh, so it's actually a baseball hat, but then yeah. they started throwing other team logos yeah. on it, but like old school from that regard, you know, but now they have like the K frame, the A frame the short bill they have the like trucker style the flat bill like the yep. old school new era there's just too many um <laughs> hats look fucking stupid on me regardless so i'm <laughs> it's not, not about i'll wear dad hats and that's it yep. otherwise uh, my head is just not designed for hats for whatever reason yep. i think my ears are too high on my head that's what i've gathered from yeah i don't really like the flat bills i like uh like not necessarily snapbacks but like baseball curved bills yeah so w- that's what we want to do is like more of uh so basically like a dad hat is very like a dad hat you can jump in a lake with and then really? come out and it just is it's fine oh yeah you know what i mean because it's just like you can <laughs> fucking mangle it and that's like the whole point is yeah. that there's no like real like um structure to it it's like cloth on a bill yeah you know so um we'll have that for sure and then we'll probably have like our own style of snapback almost like a dad hat with structure you know but more of that like that retro sport like kind of logo style yeah um so that's still like kind of in designs we're going back and forth on ideas but um we're trying to just stay at least two or three drops ahead and then we'll keep going i mean actually i have a calendar mapped out uh that i've shared with andreas but like it actually goes all the way into fall and then so it would be uh september and october's drop so i already have like those like in theory and on paper planned out 
So things might change, obviously. We'll see what's most popular and stuff. I mean, I can tell by what I posted today, like already girls jumping on it because it's, oh shit, there's female shorts, you yep. know? So we're doing both genders. But the um, the sweatsuit is going to crush. I already know. As soon as Amber walked in, she goes, can I have this? What is this? <laughs> I want this. And I was yeah. like, well, you can, but not yet. But yeah. Just wait because this is the only sample I have right now. Um, but the oat colored uh, sweatsuit is going to be sick. That's dropping May 7th. The The heavyweight black hoodie is dropping, which I'm excited about because it's really not, like, hot. You know what I mean? Like, it's thick. Like, it's a heavy fucking hoodie. Yeah. But it doesn't make you hot yeah. and warm. It's not, it's not super insulated. Yeah. It's heavy. Um, so that and then the t- the black tee, uh, we're going to be uh, – uh, we have some of the original white OGTs uh, that we'll put back out for sale um, because we held on to a bunch to like be able to do giveaways and stuff and we still have some so we'll put those back on site if anybody missed the first drop and then uh, we're bringing back the black mesh shorts to match the hoodie and the shirt so five new items one old and then we'll uh, and I think there's still some crew socks too so I'm excited man it's gonna be dope May 7th uh, if you haven't been checking out the YouTube check that out too because you kind of see a little bit of the sneak preview Um, and as this is airing in a couple days there's gonna be another video out and I actually kind of showed you some of the the details on my computer screen as I was eating one of my meals because it's a day of eating yep Um, but man I went to bed last night and then I woke up to a couple hundred more views I was like sick people are jumping on the YouTube hell yeah we're not fucking YouTubers yet but um Go feeling, check it man. out. Yep. I got a good feeling. One of the things I'm going to say this cause, uh, so like Cody Smith was, uh, he wanted to pick my brain on conceptual content and he was asking me some questions. So there's basically like, if you think of as a business owner or content creator, you're creating two types of content. You have conceptual and relational. So yeah. relational is like a vlog, right? Like people relate to who you are. They see your day to day and like, that's what they love and they want to invest in your journey and stuff. The problem is, is that there's only two ways to grow relational content. And that's either a, you do it for so long that eventually people jump on board. So like Christian Guzman, Max Tuning, Nick bear, like all those like YouTubers from the original days, they've just been doing it for so long. They never really had any conceptual content. It's all relational, but people slowly but surely followed along until it grew. The other way is to spend all your time doing conceptual content. And then eventually people are curious about more than just what you teach. Right. So conceptual would be our reels and shorts where I'm sitting at the desk and I'm like, here's a four-step process to losing fat faster. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm like breaking down concepts, right? It's conceptual content. Well, he was asking me like, you know, do you think about the ratio of conceptual to, to uh, relational and blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking, I was like, damn, dude, like we've basically been like in theory, 100% conceptual, but like accidentally 90% because I share my lifestyle, my story sometimes on Instagram. And we mention things about life in here on the podcast, but yeah. Planned out, 100% conceptual, always. So this is the first time we've actually really dove into doing relational content. Like, I'm actually excited to bring the camera with me and, like, let's go do some shit and let's follow around, like, check out what I'm eating all day and the lifestyle and all this kind of stuff. Um, So I'm excited about it, and he knows me pretty well, and he said, he was like, I think this is great because you still, like, teach, but it's the first time I've ever watched your content and I've actually seen your funny side in the content. Mm. Like, if people actually know you they'll know like your punny jokes and like the things you fuck around with but otherwise they would never know and i never thought about that and they were like it's cool because you're actually sharing that you are funny which mm. shannon would disagree with but yeah um maybe you too but uh it was cool so i was thinking about that i was like man that's that's a cool thing to point out even on the podcast for people listening just because like i think they're gonna learn more about me and get more out of it from 
the typical standard like i mean even in this upcoming video like we're actually recording all my meals today as we record this i'm teaching why i'm eating what i'm eating throughout the day but there's a lot of like just i don't know relational content it's me throughout the process right so i don't know just wanted to point that out because i thought that was a good observation from somebody who I asked, he'll go watch it. I was like, give me your thoughts because you watch YouTube all the time. And he gave me thoughts. He's like, I fucking love it. I think it's great. And you actually share the funny side of you, which is rare. Dope, yeah. I never thought about that, but we never like intentionally we, joke around. Yeah. I mean, not that I was intentionally. Not on camera. Yeah. 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 But that's what happens when you just don't turn the camera off and you yeah. just go about your day. Yeah. So, um, I'm excited to share more and more about me and TCM and the upcoming stuff like Taylor Trainer, Taylor Life Apparel. Um, it'll be fun to bring the camera on some of these trips that we're going to be going on soon too. So if you're not subscribed to the channel, youtube.com slash Cody McBroom one, go check it out because we're having a lot of fun. And I really do. I mean, I'm not, I'm biased, but I really think it's good content. Like I think it's really good. So go check. I'm glad it out. you think that me too. Let's, uh, do you let's think it's good. Content? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But I'm, I'm just glad that you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause if anybody needs to, you do. <laughs> All right, let's get into some questions today. We got a lot of good ones. Uh, We'll start off with question number one. It says, I saw a book on your Amazon list that I've never heard of called Deep Nutrition. I read the sample on Kindle and listened to an interview with the author. It seems that what she has to say is very much against the macros slash if it fits your macros approach you use. For example, there are good and bad foods and there are quote unquote one good diet. Interesting to hear what you think about the book. So I will admit I read that book a long time ago. Um, not so long ago that I didn't understand the power of macronutrients, but to a point where I would definitely say that it like the word like saying there's good and bad foods wasn't frowned upon yet because it was we weren't that articulate about flexible dieting. Now we can say there's no good or bad foods because like what she would deem as bad food is like a highly processed cookie. But if that highly processed cookie makes you feel good, you can manage uh, like to not over consume it and you can fit it within your calories. It's not a bad food. It's not like necessarily a healthy food. And for some reason, some people frown upon that, but I have no problem saying that cookie's not healthy. doesn't mean it's bad or you should never eat it. Yeah. It's just not full of vitamins and minerals. Like, let's be honest. So, um, but it was before that. So it definitely was more of that black and white answer of like bad, good, like only eat these foods. Um, however, I do think there's like being a well-rounded nutritionist means that you are familiar with and you fully understand all the different perspectives and you can actually like understand uh, context or read through content through different lenses. So I might not have the same lens from a nutrition perspective as she does or have the same exact opinions, However, if I can try to understand her perspective, I'll be able to learn more from it. And I'll also be able to communicate with individuals who are indoctrinated into that system. So when, and this happens many times, a client comes to us and they are indoctrinated in that. They believe, they, they drink the paleo Kool-Aid, they, which is actually a very funny, ironic, hypochondriac statement because they are anti all things artificial, so you wouldn't drink Kool-Aid, but um, the paleo water, let's say. There you go. Um, 
So they they are indoctrinated into the system and they fully believe like paleo is like it's not macros, it's not calories, it's gluten, it's grains, it's all these things that our ancestors didn't eat, which we later found out is actually bullshit. Our ancestors did eat those things and they found uh, remnants of grains in like the teeth and decay of skeletons from the Paleolithic mm-hmm. era, which shows you that like, oh, paleo guys, you were wrong. Um, and on top of that, even if our ancestors didn't, they would. Yeah. You tell me like a, a caveman wouldn't eat a slice of bread if it was in front of him? Of course he would. Yeah. He probably ate raw fucking human legs if he had the chance. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's absolutely. Like, that's, are you going to do that? No. no. <laughs> it's like. But um, think about it back then. Absolutely. 100%. So anyway, like I want to understand and understand from like if you have like real emotional intelligence inside of coaching, you got to understand everybody's point of view and not look at it with a judgment bias, judgment without looking at it with judgment or any kind of bias, basically look at it from a lens of like, okay, let me try to understand how you perceive this to be true and why you think it's true. And then I can better educate you on what is actually true and why you may think this is true, right? So if somebody cuts out dairy, beans, gluten, grains, all these things from paleo diet and they lose weight, I can teach them about calories and show them that it wasn't those ingredients that caused you lose weight. It was the fact that you removed them all and you dropped calories and lost weight. And then when you figured out how to eat like a paleo person and you started adding more avocado and more bacon and all these things back in the diet, your calories went back up and you stopped losing weight. It's calories. It's not food. You know what I mean? So, um, but you can't educate properly without knowing that. So part of it is that I think coaches should understand that stuff. The other part of it is that Part of the book, which uh, this person read uh, or listened, because sometimes we chop the questions down. I think he just listened to the sample of it. So, like, on Kindle, you can, like, hear a sample, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you said that part. but I did. Oh, okay. Um, The book actually goes through, like, history of nutrition, too, which is the reason I actually really liked it is because, like, you can learn a lot about where nutrition advice actually came from, you know, down to, like, literal, like, Native American tribes way, way, way back. It's super fascinating. And they actually go through like one thing that really stuck with me that I thought was super cool is they talk about how Native Americans in that time would actually help cure illness, disease, uh, gut issues, stuff like that with probiotics. And it's like, how did they find probiotics? Well, they literally would uh, either slaughter or wait till a bison or a cow or something would die or a buffalo. And those are primarily grass eating animals, right? And they also have, uh, have you ever heard, uh, there, it's in a Lil Wayne song, you might have heard this, but like, uh, he talks about like a cow's stomach. Mm. Um, he says, uh, he says something about two shits and he says cow's stomach or something like that. But anyway, like cows have two stomachs. Okay. So their digestive process is different. They hold on to, uh, they can process different foods better than us because of that and so on and so forth. Well, they would take this dead buffalo or cow or whatever it was and they would take the grass and the like, I mean, whatever plants it's eating and stuff out of the intestines in the stomach because at that point they were fermented yeah. and fermented plants are often natural probiotics. Like wow. if you think of kimchi, kimchi is fermented cabbage. Sauerkraut is fermented, um, onions. Lettuce? What is? Oh, sauerkraut. Yeah. Uh, onions. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. I think so. Um, I don't really remember. Yeah. Something, but anyway, like there's a bunch of fermented shit. Yeah. Like I had a client that used to give me fermented pickles and carrots and anything. What is it? Uh, is it cabbage? Maybe. What's kimchi? No, kimchi is fermented cabbage, I think. People are going to be like, you idiots. I don't like the taste of these things. Unless there's sauerkraut on a Reuben or brat, I don't want it. Cabbage. Sauerkraut is. Yeah. What's kimchi? What is kimchi? I think it is. I think it's just bigger pieces. Maybe that's lettuce. 
its fermented vegetables, such as cabbage and Korean radish. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because when you get a thing of kimchi, it's not just one thing. There's a bunch of stuff in there. Yeah. Um, anyway, kimchi, sauerkraut, um, yogurt is for, or, um, kefir is, uh, fermented yogurt. So like fermented foods are probiotics. When you take a probiotic pill, it's fermented nutrients inside of a pill. Um, but they would take the plants out of the intestine or the stomach of a buffalo and they would eat it to fix gut issues or illness because they needed natural probiotics to fight off and, uh, whatever, uh, bug they had, if they had food poisoning or anything like that. Right. Which is crazy to think about. Like, I, I can't, it's been so long, but I can't remember how the fuck they figured that out or if we even know, but they did that shit. And it's cool to see, you know, what that is. Same reason why, like, I would recommend trainers read uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. There is a lot of outdated stuff in there. There's a lot of things that maybe worked, but were never proven or, like, have been proven wrong. And they just worked for him because he was a workhorse and was geared up and it is what it is. But there's so many cool, fascinating stories in there about like the golden era and about how bodybuilding came about and strength training grew in California and uh, Venice Beach and all that stuff. Um, So I think, I don't know, like I recommend that book because you can learn a lot of the history. You can learn what their perspective is. And even though they might put these like quote unquote good foods on a pedestal, they also in the book will teach you a lot about the nutrients and the value and the benefits of those quote unquote good foods. Doesn't mean that they're the end all be all or that they're the secret to fat loss. But it doesn't mean that they're wrong when they talk about the vitamins and the minerals and the micronutrient density in those foods. And a lot of times I can teach somebody a lot. If you only know in like macro calculating, you're not a nutrition coach. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that is why that book's on there. There we go. All right. We will go to the next one. It, it says, I heard you talk about body adapting to more than 15,000 steps per day that you don't actually burn any more calories after that. My question is if you have been increasing steps to 15,000 plus throughout a cut, how slowly would you reverse that when finishing the diet based on a metabolic metabolic adaptation happening? If you have been doing 20,000 steps, can you immediately go down to 15,000 as that it is upper end of the range or should you decrease by 1,000 steps per week? So I, I will first say she's probably referring to the cardio um, podcast and blog, which I will be recording another coaching series podcast soon. Um, if you guys couldn't tell, those take 10 times longer than a Q&A or anything else because there's so much behind the scenes work to map those out. But I have a couple in the chamber that I'm working on anyway. Um, one on hormones that is almost done. But uh, that we can link in the show notes because we did a whole podcast on it and it was super in-depth. And... I may have either misspoken or you may have misheard me um, because I, I, I don't want to say that after 15,000 steps a day, you are not burning any calories. Like it's not a matter of like, oh, once you hit 15,000, you are not burning any more calories. I think that would be clearly incorrect. But adaptation increases dramatically beyond that point. And the amount of extra calories you burn beyond 15,000 points is very minuscule. And there's a range. For some people, that might be all the way up to 20,000. For some people that might be 12, you know what I mean? Like there's, you'd have to dive into some of the research studies to really see like not just the average, but start looking at individual variances. You might want to read that book, which I cannot remember uh, what it's called off the top of my head. I haven't read it, but it's based on um, these uh, hunter gatherer communities and how much they step compared to the average person in America and blah, blah, blah. And they just saw these adaptations that showed like these people might be stepping 20, 30, 40,000 steps a day because they're hunter-gatherers. They don't drive cars or anything, and they don't work a desk job. But they weren't burning more calories than the person stepping 5,000 steps a day in the city, 
Why is that? Because they adapted over time. Now, the caveat is how much time? Because if they're hunter gatherers and they've been that way their whole life and they're doing this study on somebody who's 30 years old, well, is that a 30-year adaptation? Because if we're talking about a fat loss phase, maybe we don't have to fucking worry about this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of caveats to it, but we do know that the higher your step count gets, the more likely it is that your adaptation is going to increase. That is a fact. And that's just shown in the metabolic adaptation research as well. Um, but in that podcast, I refer to his meta-analysis and his research. And I, I say the author of the study, I think he read, wrote the book too. Did you pull it up? I, I don't know. Is it Hunter Gatherer's Guide to the 21st Century? No. Okay. It's specifically about like moving and stepping and stuff. The life ways of hunter gatherers. No, I don't think it has anything to do with hunter gatherers. Like the study was done and he uses that as a big example in the book. Um, But the big thing is that, you know, after 15,000 steps, you're going to see this big decrease in adaptation. And the biggest one that you'll see is that if you count 15,000 or more steps, it's more likely that you are going to see a decrease in other physical activities that are part of NEAT. So, standing, blinking, fidgeting, walking, some stuff that you can't hand, uh, control, right? They're just going to downregulate. But so would cardio. So like if you, this is exactly why right now I'm doing a little bit of cardio as kind of like a baseline point. And I don't, like as soon as I step on the treadmill, I take my Apple Watch off because I, I want to have my step count and then I have my cardio. Yeah. You know, my step count average is like between 10 and 11 naturally. So I keep it there. If I didn't do that, I would naturally step less because my body would compensate, especially if I walked, did the cardio in the morning. Um, but the point is, is that you don't want to, um, you don't want to go beyond that point and rely on that in order to lose fat. Like that's the big take home point. It's not that you won't burn any more calories. It's that you're going to burn less calories when you're like your 15th to 20,000th step will burn less calories than your 10th to 15,000th yeah. step did months ago, you know, so you want to, you want to avoid going too high and relying on that and just use the diet to lose the fat. Now, as far as reversing out of it, I definitely would probably encourage the 1000, uh, slowly, you know, drop 10, yeah, 10 to 20% at most, um, of your steps per week. Like as you go down, um, unless you start like some people respond really well. So if you're losing weight while doing it, then you can go a little faster. Let's say some people are hyper responders to reverse diet. But um, yeah, go a thousand at a time because if you drop all of them, there is still a chance that you're going to see a swing in the scale and you're going to jump up weight, especially because we know that none of these rules are hard set rules. Like 15 is the average, but again, everybody is different. So it could be higher for you, could be lower for you. You don't want to like, you don't want to take a big jump based on a theoretical number. And then that is also not even like a, a dead set number. It's a theoretical number that states we're going to see less caloric expenditure the higher we go beyond that point versus you are not going to burn any more calories after this point. Yeah. That is clearly incorrect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that would be, that would be the answer. It Just depends. go slowly. Yeah. Cool. All right. We will go to the third question. It says, I am a personal trainer and currently train four times a week with bodybuilding and one time a week with hit. I am not vegan. And <laughs> <laughs> that sounds weird. Uh, I am not vegan and not necessarily fully plant-based. It's like out of nowhere. Yeah. But I am lactose intolerant and I am not, not morally sound to eat poultry or red meat. Now it makes sense. Yeah. My protein sources usually are salmon, tuna, or an occasional fake meat, plant-based protein shakes, chickpeas, etc. Should I be aiming for the... For a higher protein intake because I'm not getting full amino acid profile in my diet or am I okay with these protein sources or even more should I be taking BCAAs? Um, 
So uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of complexity to it. Like I would say a few things like number one, research shows that you can, you'll do just fine being a vegan and hitting a normal amount of protein intake. So did they say how much protein per day? No. Okay. So like if you're consuming one gram per pound and you're asking this question, you don't really need to worry about doing extra. Like you're not going to get more benefit out of doing 1.2 because you're getting 0.2 extra grams of protein you know what I mean? It's not, if you're consuming 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8, I might say, yeah, like, let's get a little extra because 0.8, you know, is like the lower end of that spectrum of like what's mandatory for strength training people. I would probably lean on this higher side and go, hey, you should probably get a gram per pound, yeah. you know, just to be safe because you are consuming a uh, lower quality amino acid profile based protein. Like, that's just a fact. Plant protein is just not as advantageous from an anabolic perspective. Um but we also know that we only need about 0.8 grams per pound. So if you're getting a gram per pound, you're already getting a little bit extra. And that's why we usually err on the side a little bit more, you know. So I would say that you're fine. Um, you could, and this is where the problem lies, is like you could go for 1.2 and maybe you would get a little extra benefit. Um, because remember, we got to look at each different type of protein too. So it's not just plant-based as a whole. Pea protein, hemp protein, like these are actually really high quality protein sources. If you are getting salmon and tuna, those are the highest that you're going to get. But uh, if that's like a very small portion of your diet or it's every once in a while or you don't have any hemp or pea protein and your protein's coming mainly from lentils and stuff like that, maybe it's not as high quality, you know. So um, you might, it's hard to say just as a blanket statement. But if usually if you're in that 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound, um, research does show that you're going to be totally fine. You'll gain just as much muscle as somebody who is eating animal products. Now, my opinion is that you probably wouldn't get as jacked, like you wouldn't build as much muscle. And the only reason that's my opinion is because I think a lot of times these research studies are semi-flawed. When we look at 90% of these research studies, almost, like the vast majority of their protein is coming from shakes. So if you look at a protein shake, a vegan protein powder, it is formulated to give you the optimal amino acid profile, despite being from plant-based protein, which means you, as somebody who, Travis, who eats animal products, dairy, whatever he wants, you could have a plant-based shake or a whey protein shake. And I don't think you would get any more benefit from one versus the other because it is designed to be just as good, which they can do because they make it in a fucking factory. But that's not the case when you're eating whole food. And I also don't recommend from one, from a financial perspective, but two, like from a gut health, you don't want to just have only shakes, you know, all the time. So part of it is like most research that I'm aware of is you, they, they rely on a lot of shakes, which I don't think is realistic in real world. The other side of it is, is how many of those um, studies actually use people maximizing muscle growth? Or is it just like average people? And it's like, okay, let's put these average people through a three-day training program and see who builds more muscle. And it's not like any like optimized thing, but Usually when people are like, I really want to change my physique, they usually are training four plus days a week. They're usually dialed in. And if we talk about experienced lifters, it's even more so. So that's where it's like, I don't know. I really don't know. And the 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 thing I always rely on, and again, like we we heavily use research, but we also have to look at anecdote and just look at the history of every athlete or bodybuilder or jacked person you've ever known. 90% of them are not vegans. It's just a fact. And it doesn't mean you can't be a vegan because if you morally don't want to eat that food, I support it fully. Like, I completely understand that. Like, I've, especially like in college, I had to watch documentaries on the different things and it's hard to watch some of the shit. Like, you know what I mean? And they show the worst examples. Like, that's why I will spend more money to go to Blue Max and local butchers yeah. and go to the right places. But the point is, is like, you know, if we look at what 
history shows. And there's there's anomalies. Like Rich Roll is like known as one of the like best endurance athletes. He's vegan. Like there is there. Uh, I believe his name's Rich Roll. Um, you'd have to look at he's dude. He's got like a really famous podcast and stuff. Probably doesn't have any rolls. No, definitely doesn't. Rich Roll athlete. Yeah, so he's a vegan. I'm pretty damn sure. So, and you're not even vegan who's asking this question. Like, I understand that. So, like, um, dude, Emily, who is on our staff yeah. and who I still talk to all the time, she's a vegan. She just did a fucking Ironman. She's a savage, and she has muscle. She also has been a vegan since she was born. She's never not been a vegan, so I think she adapted early. So, I think it's probably, and there's no research on this, but hypothetically speaking, I would say it's probably going to be a harsher time getting results for somebody like me shifting to being a vegan versus somebody who was born and stayed that way their whole life. You know what I mean? I think your body adapts that over time. But point being is... I don't think it's as optimal primarily because of what history has shown us with other physique athletes and stuff. But the fact of the matter is too, it is very difficult to even get your body weight in protein with plant-based sources without over consuming carbohydrates yeah. and vegetables. And so a lot of times what happens is you end up feeling really bloated because the high protein sources in a vegan diet are also very high carb and they're usually high fiber. So now we have an overload of carbs, fiber, mainly coming from starchy like vegetables and stuff like that. You're just really bloated. You're carrying a lot of gut uh, retention because your water is going to be pulled to the gut more often. Now over time you might get used to it, but it's a very uncomfortable feeling for most people. So I don't. It, I, and to me, it's not ideal. If I were you, what I would do is I would try to eat salmon and tuna and stuff like that as often as you can. I understand like nobody wants to eat fish too much. I mean, most people don't. But try to eat, you know, shrimp, shellfish, whatever you can to try your best. Have one or two scoops of vegan protein powder per day. That'll help. And then, yes, get some from lentils and all that stuff. And uh, just stick with one gram per pound. Don't go overboard because you're going to be bloated and, and probably not feel great. That is going to cover your bases. And just if you really want to be optimal, like you want to just make sure no matter what, I'm getting all the gains I can. Supplement with creatine, either a normal serving or double serving. So like five to 10 grams of creatine per day. Your diet as a whole is going to be extremely low in creatine because you're not consuming red meats and stuff. If you consume fish, you'll get some, so you might not need as much, but like 10, five grams a day is ideal. And then BCAs, you could absolutely do BCAs. Um, those are the main ones that, that uh, plant-based sources are low in and you could do BCAs. And this is one of the only circumstances I do recommend aminos. But you could do BCAs or EAAs like between meals or with meals even. So there's a lot of uh, vegan bodybuilders who will just supplement with branched-chain amino acids during their meal. Yeah. So since they're not having those kind of high amino acid, high-protein meals, they will just have a, a drink of amino acids while they eat their meal. Yeah. And you could always do that. Um, First Form has plenty of options for you. Firstform.com slash tailored coaching method. Um, they have the essential amino acids, which are great. It's full spectrum, but they also just have regular branch chain amino acids. Either one would be great, uh, but do BCAs and uh, creatine, and I think you'll be fine. Yeah. BCAA? BCAA. Yeah, we always just say BCAs. Oh. Yeah. I got two questions for you. Yeah. Um, forgot the first one. Uh, second one is... Oh, now I remember the first one. Uh, I think I can figure it out by the context, but you you call them like laterals or like pro, like vegan, like you said, then take like like the shake or whatever. What what did you call those? Uh, plant based protein shake. Oh, never mind. Yeah. That other word that you use, like getting it through, like it's like lateral or ra lentils. Lentils. Uh, lentils of food. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, you've had lentils. Lentils is like uh, lentils is like a category. So like, do you know what? That's what so it's not a food. <laughs> well, do you know what legumes are? 
No, dude. What are these do you Jamaican know what, fucking do, islands? Do you know what a bean is? A bean? Yeah. Yes, Cody. A bean is a legume. Oh. Do you know what? Uh, what is this nutrition v- v- vocab class? Yeah, maybe. Do you know what tubers are? <laughs> you? <laughs> <laughs> no. The food kind. No. Potatoes. Oh, so root that. vegetables like potatoes, carrots, technically squash. Like, those are tubers. Literally. Dude, that's got to be like in nutrition search. It's root vegetables. Um, it's not common you know, Have you ever heard of cruciferous vegetables? <laughs> Broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels, like things Maybe like that. Maybe through those, our coaches, but those are not. This, and this is a really easy one. Leafy greens. There's nothing special about that. Sure. Lettuce. Lettuce, kale, yeah. spinach. Yeah. Um, so like poultry. Okay. Chicken, turkey, yeah. uh, dairy. So they're categories. Okay. The most common categories are produce, yes. which covers fruits, vegetables, everything. Yeah. Um, grains. Right. Like, so that's where like, like, so lentils, legumes, like those things are, I, I believe chickpeas are in the legumes or the lentils. Family. That's gotta be like, so small category. Cause I'm, it's I'm not saying I'm super close smart. to useless. Yeah. Information. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was just like, what is he talking about? Like, yeah. Like I, I thought, would never I coach it, somebody and be like, well, I want in this meal, I want you to have a uh, tuber as your carb source. <laughs> yeah, what the a root vegetable. I'm like Gen Pop would just like, that's yeah, not what you're no using. Point, no. Okay. Second question is you talk about shrimp and uh, other shellfish. What, shrimp or crab? Like, what do I like better? Yeah. I don't like shellfish. Ew. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. I just don't. I don't know. You're um, It depends. So like cold crab all day. Was there hot crab? I don't know. No. I have zero idea. I guess not. Maybe. Do you? I mean, lobster's hot. Yeah, you eat lobster. Yeah, warm. you do. I had uh, I there's warm. Crab. I had Dungeness crab hot for New Year's. Okay, there you go. Yeah. I mean, we always do it cold when we eat for Christmas Eve crabs. Maybe I didn't. Have, no, the butter was hot. The crab was cold. I think that's how it is for yeah. us too. Yeah, but lobster. When you order lobster cold. at a restaurant, lobster is by far the best shellfish because huh. it's fucking just meaty and it's just one big thing. You don't gotta like pick it apart and like you know when you get the crab like pincher and you're like oh finally and it's yeah. like this big meaty piece and then it's over in two seconds and you're yeah. like oh shit now i gotta pick up i meant taste yeah taste um if i had to go between those two i mean i abs i don't like cold food like that that much so i i'd you probably like go cold? crab but I, I like even at my grandma's did we do this huge crab feast and i eat like two bites and then i just start talking to everybody and bullshitting and drinking yeah. wine yeah that's it like i just i'm not a big i'll eat the garlic bread dude yeah but uh, I like hot shrimp, like coconut shrimp and prawns and stuff like Ooh. that. But cocktail, like shrimp cocktail, ugh. Yeah. Hate that shit. Man. I don't know why. Shannon loves shrimp, so she gets yeah. shrimp, but I just can't do it. I love both of them, but I would say uh, crab. Yeah. Dude, have crab? you ordered a lobster at a restaurant before? I'm not. I think we just talked about this a couple of times. I think so. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> you should do that, dude. It's, it's, it doesn't intrigue me. I would say this it's not worth the price. Because it is too expensive, but you got to do it at least once because it is. And especially if you like crab, you'll fucking love lobster. Really? Yeah. I do it for like Shannon on like Mother's Day or her birthday and stuff. She loves cra- lobster. I'll go like buy some really nice lobsters and cook them myself, oh. which is way cheaper, but like it's good. It's kind of tricky. Like you have to crack open the shell and then take this whole big like thing out, all the meat, and then close the shell, put it back on there and usually put like some melted butter on it Damn. to bake it. But it's got to bake on top of the shell. You do that? Yeah. 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 That's there's there's a I'm surprised. There's a few things I know how to cook. Yeah, literally three rice. <laughs> yeah, damn yeah. lobster though. All right, cool. Enough of that. Uh, next question. It says, "Can you substitute the barbell and Smith machine squat for a leg press or hack squat? I can push more weight on the leg press and hack squat machine than I can on barbell or Smith machine more confidently." Absolutely. I think that it all depends on your goals. You know, like I think so. 
there to me there's three categories of goals here. There's strength and performance. There's and obviously you can categorize those as like strength and performance. Okay, do you want more strength? Do you want more power? Like, but strength and performance, like you care about your athleticism. Then there's body composition. So whether you're chasing fat loss or muscle growth or both over time. And then there's just like movement and health, right? So for strength and performance, it's specific to the movement. So if you came to me and you were like, I really want to get stronger at my, like I want to build my one rep max barbell back squat. Can I do the hack squat instead? I would say, well, you can do it, but it's not going to help your one rep max barbell back squat because strength is very specific. So you need to get good at barbell back squatting. Um, but if your goal is health movement, I would say it doesn't fucking matter because hack squat, leg press and a, uh, back squat. If you remove the weight, if you just like, uh, if you filmed yourself doing any of these movements and you like, so like if you did a back squat and you filmed yourself and then you just removed everything from the screen except the body and you saw the body do the squat and then you put them on a Smith machine and then you put them on a leg press and then you put them on a hack squat. It would be the same movement pattern. It's just that the barbell and the Smith machine are upright. Smith machine's leaning back a little bit. Uh, leg press is you're laying. So you could just take the body and just turn it up. Right. And it'd be standing, you know, yeah. it's all squat patterns. So, um, it puts you in slightly more favorable positions depending on your goal. And that's where I think when your goal is body composition, or hypertrophy, the answer is still, yes, you can switch them. And sometimes you might want to, the reason you might want to is one, if you can do more weight safely, whether it's just a mental thing, like you're just afraid to put too much weight on the bar, which is not something to be ashamed of. If you're not a power lifter, I mean, I don't want to put a whole bunch of weight and fuck myself up. It's just, I don't get anything out of that except yeah. I can't lift anymore. Um, you're going to be able to do more volume because if you put more weight on the bar and you do the same amount of reps and sets, you're literally doing more volume because there's more load. Yeah. So yes, you're going to build more muscle if you do more load. I would also say that if you're isolating a certain area, it might be better as well. Um, if you squat and you're hip dominant, then you're not going to hit your quads very much. But um, if you even if you are quad dominant in back squat, but you can lift heavier on this leg press or, or the hack squat, then you're going to, you're going to place more attention on the quads with heavier loads, you know? So no matter what, you almost place more load on the quads specifically, um, and you lower injury risk. So, um, back squats are more neurologically fatiguing as well. So you could probably do like, if you did four sets of heavy squats, you could probably do five sets of leg press with more load and you would be just as, if not less fatigued because you're more targeting the muscle. So um, the answer is yes to almost everything outside of strength and performance because strength and performance is so specific that if the only way I would say yes in that category is if you came and you're like, I want to improve my one rep max leg press, then of course do more leg press. But um, from a hypertrophy perspective, hundred percent, you get a, most people get a greater range of motion. You load the, the quads up a lot and you can push a lot of weight. It's like perfect world scenario. Totally. Um, doesn't mean you shouldn't back squat. And some people have a really like nice, deep quad dominant back squat. That's great. Um, I love Smith machine squats for, for leg hypertrophy, but I also love leg press. You yeah. know I mean? They're, I like hack squat, but not the hack squat that we have at the gym up the street. Shit is horrid. Yeah. Oh, that one. God, I know. Like that video is going to come out next week and it's, I'm like leg pressing like four or five plates on each side. And then it's like two plates and I'm dying on yeah. a hack squat. It's like, because they're, they need to grease that fucking thing. Yeah. I feel like I'm grinding. Like the reps. A, yeah. There's a lot of tension. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. And it's just like metal on metal. Just yeah. it's like pushing a sled on cement. You yeah. Know? Like when you do that, That's it exactly just adds a hundred pounds. Yeah. Cause you're just like pushing it on yeah. fucking concrete. Totally brutal. But, uh, but yeah, you can definitely switch it up, especially if it's hypertrophy focus. Cool. 
All right, next question. It says, if you could only choose three supplements for nutrition and training purposes, what would your two two or three supplements be? For the rest of my life? Yeah, you can, uh, you can include vitamins, oils, creatine, pre-workout. Let's see. You can include all supplements. <laughs> uh, Tren. I'm joking. Do you know what Tren is? I don't know what you know what trend is, but you don't know tubers or you don't know what a fucking I know what a potato t- is. You I don't, don't know, know what tuber. The, you don't know what the potato family is called, but you know what trend is. Yeah, trend is steroids. Correct. Yeah. Anyway, I don't really. I actually don't know what it does. I mean, steroids. Steroids, are steroids. that make you strong. They make you strong, but like certain steroids make you stronger. Certain steroids like shred fat. Certain steroids build muscle. Certain steroids like increase growth hormone versus testosterone. So you don't know what trend is. Yeah, I don't know what trend is. Oh. I just know it's like a very common like joking like when people joke about steroids they always say trend yeah you're gonna look it up yeah why not dude, i can't even say that word dude trenbole trenbo trenbolone trenbolone mm-hmm. is it an androgen endogenous an- nope androgen and anabolic steroid of the androgenic there you go yeah nope not even nope androgen there you go there's no ick. There's no nothing. Oh, I think the full word is andrin. Andri- no, I can't say it. You can tell that we're not steroid users. Yeah. <laughs> the it, formula is so long. Oh, I bet. C18, H22, O2. I think, so there's like, there's non and there's, there's non-androgenic and there's androgenic. And I think androgenic is basically when they use androgen receptors to facilitate the process yeah. of what's going on. And one of them causes the conversion to estrogen. So, like, you can potentially get gyno and stuff like that, which is why some are, I believe, non-androgenic, and they don't rely on the androgen receptor, which is helpful. But anyway. This word is so long. What does it do? Did you Hexahydrobenzylcarbonate. Wow. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> it is Increase the production of testosterone. Oh, there you go. Boom. Okay. Um, three supplements, creatine for sure. Creatine monohydrate is one. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of fish oil, but I wouldn't do fish oil because I can, I'm fine eating salmon once, twice a week. I actually love salmon, especially in the Northwest. It's easy to get salmon, but, um, what? Nothing. You're about to say something. As long as my wife pulls the bones out of the salmon. I hate that shit. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, you, you can just buy the tail and then there's no bones in it. Nope. Didn't know that. Yeah. There's no bones in a salmon tail. It's probably a tuber. It's know. definitely not a tuber, but, um, yeah, but you used to get salmon from like Alaska, like given to you or yeah, even or Costco, you man. Oh, see, that's why like when I go, I literally look until I find the tail. Oh. Tails don't have any, like if you get one at Costco, they're pretty long. Yeah. So you got to eat like the last quarter. Oh. But if you went to like a normal store, they wouldn't be that long. Yeah. No, I usually take that portion and I give the Shannon that so she doesn't have to worry about it. But dude, like I'm, I'm a garbage disposal. I'll be like eating and there's been so many times I forget and Shannon's like, hey, have you been pulling out the uh, bones? And I'm like, oh, shit. Bro. I forgot. You just crunched your room? Yeah. And I just start looking at him. Oh, that's so foul. I mean, I don't chew. I just swallow. <laughs> <laughs> so See you, salmon. Yeah. Um, okay. So creatine. I wouldn't choose fish oil because I have no problem eating fish. Um, I wouldn't do multivitamins a waste. Man, if it's 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 kind of well, I mean, like if I only have three for the rest of my life, goddamn, that's a lot, you know. Um, Those wearables I, are a waste of time. Facts. Um, okay, so I would do creatine. I would probably, funny enough, I would do melatonin. People nice. probably think that's weird, but um, is that a supplement. 
It is a supplement. Technically, you make the hormone melatonin in your body, but you can supplement with it um, to help you go to sleep. I am wired constantly. So for me to fall asleep, I almost like rely on that. Like the only, like I literally take melatonin every single night except Saturday. And Saturday I drink alcohol. That puts me to sleep, which actually does disturb your sleep too, but at least knocks me out. Uh, but man, I, I rely on, um, and it's it's a combo of, uh, I love uh, first form sleep products, dude. Like it's it's melatonin, but it's also ashwagandha and there's GABA. There's different neurotransmitters in there that help you calm down, reduce cortisol. Like I rely on that shit to fall asleep. Wow. It's probably my favorite supplement from them for sure. It's called Night Tea, um, which has some nutrients that would quote unquote boost testosterone, um, but it's safe for women to take too. Like it's not like a, it's not like a legit testosterone booster, but they also have, um, core 21 which is more of like a thyroid driven style one but it has a lot of the same like sleep benefits melatonin those kind of things for women too so core 21 or night t wow. uh com slash tailored coaching method two really really good products but i would probably go with night t so melatonin is the main thing because that's going to knock me out uh creatine and hmm what else do i take probably a green drink mm. I like traveling with green drink. It just starts my day on the right foot. Honestly, like there's no different, like a multivitamin is just as beneficial. Like fish oil is probably more beneficial, but there's something mentally about drinking a green drink as a habit for me that is just really, really positive. And if I couldn't take vitamin D, I would get out in the sun more. If I couldn't take fish oil, I would, uh, if I couldn't take vitamin D, I'd move faster <laughs> to get to a sunny state. Um, if I couldn't take fish oil, I'd eat fish if i couldn't take a multivitamin i'd just eat more fruits and vegetables i mean i guess i can say the same thing about creatine or greens but creatine. most of them i would do that you know yeah. like i take a adrenal support which is like ashwagandha some different herbs and stuff but i don't need that i just believe in it i don't need pre-workout i can just drink a coffee it's not a supplement energy drink you know um i don't need intra-workout carbs i What's like the it. stuff that makes you tingle beta alanine that's not in coffee is it nope yeah, i hope not it's in most pre-workouts yeah but yeah um yeah, that, that would be my my three. Creatine, uh, melatonin, and green string. Nice. Which are more health. Uh, two of them are health-focused. One of them is performance. But even creatine has benefits to your brain. But I just think, like, from a habit, recovery, and health perspective, that's probably my going to help me the most. Yeah. Cool. All right. Next one. It says, I've heard that you use the, word, uh, the term pump in several different ways, but I'm not sure what the term really means. Why and how does it even matter? Boom. Get a pump in. Whenever I, like, when I hear that, sometimes I think of a uh, couple's retreat where he's doing the yoga. He's like, boom. Nice. And the guy's pushing on her back, and he winks at the husband. Like, <laughs> boom. You ever seen that? No. God, dude, you suck at movies. Yeah. Couple's retreat. Is that with Justin Timberlake? Stop. No. That makes me mad. <laughs> uh, Vince Vaughn. Who's Justin? Uh, who's the guy that's in? Uh, Who is Justin Timberlake? He's in. Uh, I don't fucking know. Like, he's in a like a love Insane. movie with somebody. No, a love movie, dude. Oh. Anyway, um, who's the guy that was in um, Arrested Development and uh, Ozark? Um, oh, Arrested Development. I thought it was. Uh, oh, I'm horrible. Do you know the Ozark? guy that sits the guy that sits courtside at the Lakers game? Um, I would not know that answer. Do you know? Do you, know, you have you seen Ozark? The TV show? I wasn't a big fan of it. I thought it was over. His name's Jason something. State. No, not Jason Staten. That's the transporter. I don't know, man. Arrested. Type in couples retreat. 
going to be Vince Vaughn. Yep. And there's another guy. <clears throat> Jason Bateman. Bateman, not Stateman. Um, you should watch that movie with Joe's. Fucking hilarious. I'll be right on it. Really funny, uh, like romantic comedy or whatever. Um, yeah, there's a, a yoga instructor that's like pushing up on his wife and he keeps saying, boom. Nice. Boom. And he's helping her stretch and he's like going crazy. It's hilarious. Um, the pump. So the pump uh, is a burning sensation in your muscle, essentially. Um, God, I want to say something so inappropriate, but... An old Arnold Schwarzenegger quote from the movie Pumping Iron. Mm. Oh, dude, it's so... That is a great movie. Don't say it. I might. <laughs> Have you ever seen Pumping You haven't seen Pumping Iron. Of course you haven't. <laughs> it's actually on Netflix. So if you're into training and fitness, you should watch it. Because it shows Arnold. He actually smokes a joint at the end of it when he wins. Like, Mr. Olympia is on the couch, like, smoking. His, <laughs> it's hilarious. And I'm like, this guy became governor later on. Um, but he he's... Uh, he, it, go, it shows him, like, moving. Like, going through the whole process. Like, it's really dope. It's an old documentary. But yeah. Venice Beach, like, it's so sick. It shows... Uh, uh, Louis uh, Ferrigno, like it's it's crazy, but he says he basically <laughs> he says that uh, there's no better feeling than pumping or getting a pump. Getting a pump is like coming, and you and like I go to the gym and I come every day. I can just keep doing it and doing it. It's the best feeling ever. Like I love the gym, and he's going on and on, and he's Australian. He's like this foreign guy talking to a reporter, so it's even better because yeah. he's like, what? Like I'm just talking like this is normal. It's not inappropriate. It's not weird. And you know, in America, it's like whoa, like yeah, it, it's hilarious, but. Um, the pump is essentially, I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. You get a pump, like your, your muscles fill with blood, yeah. but also oxygen hydration. So you're like, if, if you, uh, if you're like grabbing onto something really tight, you're going to see like blood flow, go to your wrist, your arms, you're going to have like vascularity, right? So your veins start to pop in. It's blood is going to the area because the area is being used. Um, same reason why when you eat a meal, you don't have a pump in your arms because blood flow, oxygen, water, nutrients are going to your gut to help your intestine go through the motions, right? Blood flow sends nutrients to a certain area that is in work. So if you're doing a quad workout or a hamstring workout or an, a bicep workout, you're going to send blood flow to that area. This is going to create uh, what's called cell swelling. So blood flow goes to the area, so does oxygen, water, nutrients, and this creates the pump, which uh, essentially starts a process of cell swelling, which is the literal muscle cell swelling up with blood and oxygen, all this stuff. And it creates metabolic waste called metabolites and lactate. So a lot of people think it's lactic acid. When you feel that, like, you know, on the salt bike, your quads are burning. Yeah. That's lactate accumulation. It's not actually called lactic acid. Um, not that it's a big deal. If somebody says lactic acid, you know exactly what they're talking about. Um, but lactate accumulation, metabolite accumulation, this is metabolic byproduct. So it's like, metabolic waste and beta alanine, the shit that makes you tingly, yeah. helps you flush out that quicker. So I can go for longer because the beta alanine actually helps you basically withstand it. So if I'm on the assault bike and my quads are burning and they're getting a pump, that's happening. If I if I am taking beta alanine, especially over time, I might actually be able to extend that the duration I can sit on that bike from the quad pump. Now, if I fix the quad pump, I can handle the burning sensation of my quads longer, but my lungs can't handle it. It's not, the beta alanine won't do shit. But it, the beta alanine might allow me to last a little bit longer, and then once I stop moving, it'll help me clear the lactate quicker. Mm -hmm. So it'll help reduce that pump faster so I can do another round kind of thing. Um, 
So that's what the pump is. The pump is just literally like nutrients, water, hydration, blood flow, like everything sending to the area that you were training so that you can create cell swelling. You can um, essentially deliver more nutrients to the muscle so that you can have cell turnover, which is muscle protein breakdown and synthesis, the process of rebuilding tissue, so on and so forth. Um, there's like, there's multiple drivers of hypertrophy. Mechanical tension is one, uh, muscle damage is one, and then metabolic fatigue or metabolic waste, metabolic uh, accumulation is one. So this is just one of the pathways to building muscle is quote unquote, the pump. But before we had a bunch of research study on these three different mechanisms for hypertrophy, people just called it the pump. Yeah. You get the pump. Makes sense. Yeah. Just like the blood, you know, yeah. you getting a pump in your intestines when you. <laughs> I know. I was thinking about that when I said that. It's like, but I mean, to an extent you think about it, yeah. you like bloated and yep. then like an hour later, you're done. <clears throat> yep. Like it's probably not as severe, obviously, yeah. but, um, that's also why they say like, uh, I don't know how much research is done on this, but there's plenty of talk about like. And I believe in this to an extent, like I'll have people do like if they have a high stress lifestyle, I'll have them do like belly breathing after their workout because it'll reduce cortisol. It'll take them from that sympathetic tone. So the nervous system's on hyperdrive and fight or flight doing belly breathing after a workout will shift them from sympathetic to parasympathetic. When you're in parasympathetic, you can probably digest your food better because cortisol is not up. When your cortisol and adrenaline is high, blood flow immediately goes to the extremities, your hands, arms, legs, because you got to fight, run, sprint, lift, like you're, you know what I mean? Like if a saber-toothed tiger, quote unquote, yeah. attacking you. Yeah. But when you're eating, that doesn't help, you know? So a good way to make sure you digest your post-workout meal better would be to actually lay down and belly breathe after your workout. So you can train hard, push, use that adrenaline and cortisol, and then reduce it to get into like recovery mode before you go eat and digest a meal. Absolutely. So dope. All right. That is the last question of the day for this Q&A. That is a wrap. We already uh, shouted out First Form, so we will shout out GiantLifting.com. You can head over there and uh, use TCM10 to save 10% on anything you purchase. It'll help you with shipping. It'll help you with the product. They make great, great equipment. So go check them out. If you need help with your coaching, your nutrition, your training, anything like that, head over to TailoredCoachingMethod.com and click the yellow button. And last but not least, go to TailoredLifeApparel.co, just .co, and uh, check out the new drop. It is coming in literally almost a week. And you can fill out the little form on there to put your email in. And we're not going to spam you, but we will give you an early access, early update. So you'll be a few hours ahead of the game and you will get early notifications on when the drop is about to happen on May 7th, a Sunday. So go check that out. We appreciate you guys listening and we will catch you next time. <laughs>